I would have parties here for the girls, their birthday party. And I had like a little pony at the time and I did birthdays for them. And then they would have their friends that came to the birthdays and their guests would say, well, could you do this for me, for my daughter's birthday or my son's birthday? And what I was doing for myself and my, my girls turned into a business. My guest on today's podcast is Anne Marie. She is the owner and operator of Stroud's Creek Farm, and she tells a little bit about that story of how some intentional decision, intuitive learning led her to run a farm and reclaim a childhood dream of working with animals and spreading that to the next generation. So enjoy this conversation with my friend, Anne Marie. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. Anne-Marie, cheers to you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Cheers, Justin. (laughs) Thank you. And it's fun doing this in person on your farm. Oh, yeah. So it's not by accident that you become an owner-operator of a farm, moving from the Northeast to the South. So we'll get into that story. And to start things off, I like to say how the guest has provided for me, and this is an easy one for me. So you provide for my family in a number of ways. At the moment, currently teaching uh, my daughter how to do horseback riding lessons. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I love it. Maybe that's a good place to start. How did you start to enjoy horses and get into horseback riding? I was definitely born with with a soul for loving horses because from a very young age, I was obsessed with with horses. I was born and raised in New York, but the first seven years or so, I lived in upstate New York. And that's where I really, my farm girl soul kind of was nourished there. We lived, we didn't have a lot of acreage, but it was a four acre property with, it was in a rural, a little town in the Catskill Mountain area. I just got to do all kinds of exploring in nature. And my grandparents actually had a horse or on their property at the time. And I got to do, was introduced to horses there, but I was very young. And then I just, it was just always something that spoke to me, like resonated with me as a, as a person, anything that had to do with nature and animals and being outdoors and wildlife was just my jam. So for those that haven't been to Upper State, New York, kind of describe what that is. Because, you know, here in North Carolina, we always think of like New York City. But obviously where you grew up is very different. Yeah. Well, where, where I, well, I actually was the first seven years was in Upstate New York, which mm-hmm. is interesting because the topography is really, really similar to North Carolina mm-hmm. in your rural areas. We have lots of the same types of trees and the ground is very similar. Some areas are hilly. Some areas are, you know are less, but it has like very similar feeling actually to here. And even on Long Island, I moved to Long Island when my, my parents decided to move from the upstate part of New York down back down to where actually both families were initially from both my family, my mom's family and my dad's family. My dad's family had moved to upstate New York and that's why my, my parents, we had, we had gone there. Um, when I was younger and then my dad had gotten a job and which was back down near the city so we moved into a a town on on Long Island and that's where I that's where I spent the rest of my 
young adult life through, you know, college. And then I went off on my own and I bought a house in a, in a little beach community on the South shore of the island. And I stayed there until I moved here. And before we get to that big decision with your love of horses, were you, did you have to leave that behind when you left uh, upper state? Well, it's interesting because I, I actually didn't. The town that my parents um, bought our house in was in this little town called West Hempstead. And there happened to be a riding stable in my town, which for me to be able to have that, like if you understand Long Island, it's not like here in North Carolina where there are riding stables all over in this area of Hillsboro and around the, the area around us. There was an occasional riding stable, but it just so happened that the town that I, that my parents uh, chose had a riding stable in it. It was adjacent to a park. It was called Hempstead Lake State Park and they had, access the stable was granted access to trails and so forth that were in this park and so we were able to go and do trail rides but i started riding there when i was eight my mom i was constantly begging for riding lessons sure. and can i please and so she she went there and she met the owner of the place and she signed me up for riding lessons and basically the rest is history i started taking riding lessons there and i loved it and i continued after a while as i started getting older i would ride my bike my entire summer was literally spent there i would ride my bike in the morning i would leave with the sun and i would come back when the stables closed. And what I did was, cause my mom, it was a little hard because my mom was a single mom and she worked, you know, to support myself and my uh, sister, my brother. And so riding lessons were a little like expensive for her. And so what I did was traded work for ride time. So I would go and I would work, clean muck stalls, do whatever it was that needed to be done. And then I would be able to ride and have my lessons that way. So I kind of traded my own work and labor for, for riding and lessons. And I bet your mom loved that. Oh yeah. Well, it was great because for, you know, it's really interesting because how things were years ago, like, I don't think there are a lot of people, the, the stable was probably about four miles away. Wasn't really busy roads or anything that I had to travel on, but still it was, and I would just get on my bike and go. We didn't have any way to communicate, you know, like my mom couldn't call me or know if I had gotten to the stable safely or not. I just went, spent the day and did, you know, did all the things that I loved doing and then rode my bike back home and then did it again the next day. It was like the best thing for me. It was the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. And so now that you look back at that time, what did you learn about yourself or what were some of the indicators that, oh, this might be something beyond just a, you know, typical girl loving horses for that like you know brief right. season that seems like every little girl has that was extended in your life yeah well so it's interesting because obviously once i got to be in my later teen years i went you know i went off then i went off to college and i had to get a job and i didn't have you know i didn't have i would be i would go and ride you know maybe once a month I'd go to, you know, to the stable and I'd do some riding and I still had friends there, but then people that I worked with, you know, they also had the same things happen in their life. Ultimately, the stable wound up changing hands. The people who had initially owned it when I started, they sold. Someone new came in and so it wasn't exactly the same. And then of course I got a job and I was working and then life moves on. And then after that, I got married. 
My longest hiatus from horses was probably about 13 or 14 years. And that was in the time frame that I started having my children. And so when I first, when I got pregnant the first time with Gabriella, and then I had my daughter Chloe, and then I had Lola. Two years after I had Lola, we wound up here. But so, yeah, so I did have a bit of a hiatus from it. I didn't get to, you know, it's interesting because had I known, I didn't have enough foresight when I was in my later teens to really realize that it was something. But I guess in New York, there was very little room for something that I have here, like what I have here. So I didn't really realize that if I continued with horses, it is what it is. So I eventually wound up where my soul like spoke to me the most, right? Because I wound up here and doing what I do now, which is what I love so much. But I, I guess I didn't see that there would ever be a way for me uh, to me to make a living or to do something with horses or, you know, in, in the realm of what I do now. I just didn't seem like it was a possibility based on where I lived in New York because it was a very densely populated area with not a lot of... and even to just have horses in your own property. Uh, I mean, that was only affordable to those who had lots and lots and lots of money. The North Shore of the island had some places where people had properties big enough where people could own their own horses, but properties are millions of dollars. So it just didn't seem like it was something that I would do living where I lived. Mm -hmm. And until some things happened in my life and at the time with my, my ex-husband with in his life that we were like, oh, well, it didn't seem like we would ever leave New York. It was kind of like, oh, we were going to stay on the island where we were living and my whole family lived there, his whole family lived there. And so it didn't seem like we were going to leave. And then a few things happened in our lives. We had owned our house and we were looking to purchase a house in the area. So we sold our house rather quickly. And then my ex-husband had a business and he sold his business. And he was actually the impetus for us leaving New York, believe mm. it or not, because he wanted some place that was a little bit warmer climate and not so stressful of a life. So he had been suggesting that maybe we would relocate. So I agreed to relocating if I could have a farm. Wow. And, and, and so that was that's when you guys were together, it sounds like. Yes. You're planning mm -hmm. on, hey, let's move the family. He's selling the business, and you're warming up to this idea of coming down the south. And then what happened? So we wound up coming, you know, looking through listings for houses. We said, we initially it was like, well, let's just go. And, and how we wound up in this area, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting story because my girls were in a Waldorf school, which was in New York. And that was something that I wanted to continue for them. I was really committed to them being educated in a Waldorf school. And so we had looked to see in this Southeast, we wanted to stay in, you know, on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And so coming a little bit further south, if there was a Waldorf school here that would go from kindergarten through 12th grade, which was what their school, um, the school that we had had them enrolled in in New York was kindergarten through 12th grade or nursery through 12th grade. A friend of mine asked a friend to do a, a, a search for me because I was not that, I'm still not that computer savvy. And so I said to her, hey, Allie, do me a favor. Would you go and, and would you look up and see if there are any Waldorf schools, you know, um, along the East Coast and like, what what they might be and about a half an hour later she showed up to my front door with the the Emerson Waldorf School which was in Chapel Hill 
she was like, well, here you go. And so the first, the very first thing that we did when we came here was to tour the school because I said, if I don't like the school, then I wasn't o even open to relocating yeah. here. I really liked the school. So, okay, fine. We love the school. Okay. And then we started looking. So we went back home. We kind of looked around the area just briefly. And then I started looking on through real estate listings. Back then it was an MLS listing. And mm -hmm. so I started looking and we kind of, we, we enlisted the help of a real estate woman that was affiliated actually with the Waldorf school that we, we, we had looked at down here. And then she showed us around at some of the properties that we had chosen, this farm actually being one of them. Wow. And so when we came here, um, so she took us around and then we wound up coming here to this farm. And it's interesting because she was fiddling around at the lockbox, trying to get into the lockbox. And I was already like, I was like, I was gone. I was looking around at the property, the creek and the barn and the outbuildings. And I was like, the house, like you could show me the house. This is really what I'm interested in. Mm. And so we kind of made the house work for us, but the property and the barn and the, you know, the sh I just fell in love with this property. The rest is basically history. We made an offer on the farm, which was accepted. And then we came here, it was 2000 and I think it was in 2006, in March of 2006. And we, you know, we purchased it and we closed on it. And then that July, after the girls finished up with school, we moved July 4th weekend of that year. Isn't it funny what we find important in our lives? Like all of a sudden you, you know, had a kind of a pillar point of we need to have a school, a ward off school here in the area. And that's what drew you to Chapel Hill to begin with. And they had like the climate and the weather and like all this comes together. It's kind of fun to see theme of the conversation about like who provides for us and what provides for us. That academic institution and that methodology and that philosophy really provided for you and your girls. And then having the space also is something that you envision. And it's kind of funny that it was almost like you're prompted by your ex to come here. It wasn't yeah. like something that you thought you were going to do. That's true. It's very <laughs> true. I would not, this would not have been a move that I would have made. And it's funny when you, when you say this, because when you're talking about things that provide the land really my farm this farm and the land and the, where we are provided because my ex-husband mm -hmm. he wanted to live in a subdivision and usually because you know he thought this just really wasn't the the life for him but then we kind of we had a little bit of conversation like back and forth and i said to him i'm like if i'm going to be moving i'm really relocating more for your you know for things that you desire more than myself. I would have been perfectly happy staying in New York. Yeah. If we were going to relocate, that I wanted to be in a place that really resonated mm -hmm. with me and kind of spoke to my soul and I was able to have horses and I would have been able to, you know, have some chickens and some, you know, some actually have animals yeah. on the farm. And so we, that's what we settled on. And then we settled on this piece of property. Interestingly enough, I didn't think that I would actually be doing this business, like what I'm actually doing. So what wound up happening was, you know, Frankie had a little bit of um, some difficulty in finding a job initially when we got here. And so I was like, well, okay, how could I help? And since we had all this property, I wanted to have my own horse. I said, well, maybe we should structure it so that way I could do some horse boarding and have some uh, some, you know, have my own horse, but then we have enough property to have s to board some other people's horses. 
And so that's how my business actually started. We had some friends, believe it or not, from the Waldorf School that lived in this neighborhood over here. They were looking for a place. They actually had four horses they brought from Oregon with them when they moved here. We both actually landed here the same weekend, like July 4th weekend, and we went to the same school and they literally lived right over here in Fox Hill Farm. Oh, like, so just walking. like that, you had four horses to yeah. board. <laughs> so that's what happened. Things just kind of happened here. Frankie and I had some difficulties and we decided that it would be best for us to separate. He has a little place, a little um, town home, which suits him, which he loves, and I have the farm. And so interestingly enough, how I really started my business to now provide for myself. Because that was a big shift, right? Were you a stay-at-home mom before this? I was a stay-at-home mom that had always kind of had a side hustle mm-hmm. of my own. In New York, I was, I had a um, interior design business that I did, but it allowed me a lot of flexibility. I would work it, um, I could work at night, I could work on the weekends, I could work, you know, do my business. So that way I was always home with the girls when they were younger. So when I moved here, I was like, okay, well I could work. And this was how I kind of figured that I would, would do it doing the horse boarding. And then when I was started to, how I started my business, my actual business that I really have that kind of bloomed what I'm doing now is I would have parties here for the girls, their birthday party. And I had like a little pony at the time and I did birthdays for them. And then they would have their friends that came to the birthdays and their guests would say, well, could you do this for me, for my daughter's birthday or my son's birthday? And so my business like that started really, really organically. And then it was my, like for my summer camp program, it was the same thing. The girls, I had the girls here and their friends would come and someone said, did you ever consider doing a summer camp program? And so I, so I was like, well, that might be something that could be fun. You know, the girls, and that's what I did. I, I was like, well, okay. And I, so I started off small. I had Maybe I did, I think I did like three weeks of, of um, summer camp initially for through the whole summer. And so then that business has grown into being 10 weeks with full summer camp weeks every week and birthday parties now are, you know, I'm doing probably four birthday parties now a weekend. And um, so, yeah, so it's just how things kind of unfolded in this really organic, natural way just what I offered here on the farm, what I was doing for myself and my, my girls turned into a business and that's how I support myself. I love that because that's always the entrepreneurial story. The best ones, it's like you, the, almost people say like, would you do this for us? Like, would you just do this for us? So, you know, they <laughs> see you and you're, and they probably see you in your sweet spot. Like, oh, this is your love language. You're outside, you're around animals. And I didn't realize you had such a big gap. You said like the longest gap between riding horses was like 13, 14 years. So yeah. you had this mm-hmm. like passion and love and you did this all the time. And then life happened, become a mom and then you're here and you had this desire of boarding the horses. But then I'm sure that went into overdrive when you said, all right, well, how am I going to provide for my family at this point in right. my life and relationships? And then, gosh, it's been what, 16 years doing yeah. this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So who along the way has helped you? Maybe on the on the business side of things, or if you look back at moments that were key and critical the last 16 years of making this from a hobby into a business, what stands out to you? Oh my gosh, there's so many things, Justin. There's been so many learning curves along the way. Like the first animal that I actually had on the farm was chickens. 
And it's funny, when we went to get the chickens initially, I built the chicken coop because that was something that I could do initially starting on the barn. And we we built the chicken coop and I was like, let's get some chickens. We had friends visiting, really close friends of ours. We're still very close with their family, the Scully family actually, that lived across the street from us before we moved here. And they had come down for a visit. Someone I knew had mentioned they had a friend who had some chickens and they were looking to thin out. They had too many chickens. They were full grown chickens. They had too many and they wanted to get rid of some. And was I interested in having some of these chickens? We're like, yeah, sure, that'd be awesome. I've got a farm. I have a farm, I have a chicken coop, but I don't have any chickens. So we went into, we, we drove to this farm where we went to get the chickens. It was a, an actual comedy show where now it's the middle of the day. We're there with the woman who owns the, who owns the farm trying to catch excess chickens that she has. Okay. It was a, it was an actual free for all. And that it was just so funny. The kids were trying to help and it was just, so we wound up with a good bunch of chickens. We had one rooster. We still know his name. One of the kids, one of the boys, um, either Tommy or Owen named him. He was called Big Papa Pump, and he was a <laughs> he was a coaching rooster. But I knew nothing, Justin. I'd never had chickens before. And I had chickens that were laying on eggs. I had broody hens. I didn't even know what it was. It was laying on eggs, and then it was just, I mean, there were so many things along the way that I learned, but you know what? It's really interesting. Some of the things are just, you learn intuitively. I didn't really have any farm mentors. What I, I knew a lot about horses. And so intuitively horses, when I got my first horse, I had someone here that I had known that I made contact with. Actually, she had, was giving the girls, Gabrielle and Chloe riding lessons. She had an older horse that she was looking to rehome. And so I took, I thought I was like, this is perfect because the girls were really young. She was, she was a bomb proof horse. I had the little ones and I'm like, okay, I can get my feet wet again in horses, but in this really gentle old horse that we, you know, that we took in, her name was mama. And so that part was great because the girls got to be around her. I remember Lola used to go, instead of walking around the horse, she would go underneath her stump, you know, like, oh, I'm between. And she didn't miss, you know, I mean, it was just... It was a perfect um, situation, you know, for having, getting into horses. So it was, then I added, I had the chickens and then I had the horse. That part I really knew. It didn't take much. It was like when it kind of lives inside you. And I had had so much previous experience. It comes back like, it's like riding a bike. You never, right? When you ride a bike, you never forget how to ride a bike. It's just about getting back on and doing it again. You know, that's how it was with the horses. I think more of the things that I learned were just through trial and error myself, not necessarily having all that many. I have more people that I, now, I guess, because it was I wasn't so new to this area and my girls were young and there were, I'm a little bit of a homebody. And so I didn't have a big social network um, for things. And so a lot of this, a lot that I did I did on my own and learned, you know, there were learning curves, a lot of learning curves. <laughs> and I bet that helped grow your confidence, you know, get your horse back and the boarding and then the chickens, and then you continue to learn and you grow in the confidence with it and you grow in the business with it as well. And so now what does it look like? Paint the picture of where you've, where you've grown from, like coming down here in New York with not really sure, you know, having a business and now what does it look like? Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. I mean. I have, I have like a full a business that just is 
really blossoming full business now that um, consists of obviously I have horses here that I are my own as well as horses that I board. I have chickens, ducks. I now have goats and rabbits and those the goats and the rabbits uh, and and the chickens and the horses as well um, are for, are part of my business in addition to me loving taking care of them they're also part of my business model so i do birthday parties every weekend and then i teach riding lessons in addition to horse boarding and then i have a 10-week summer camp program that i run I also just recently added an Airbnb space onto the farm that I that I'm like inches away from listing. So yeah, so it's a business that's really like grown and I support myself and the girls and I've been able to, you know, pay, help them with they're now believe it I can't even my the youngest Lola is now about to go off to college. Gabriella's graduated and Chloe's in college and so I've been able to pay for their private school, the Waldorf school, and then for their college um, education and with the business. It's grown over the years and it's something that I'm really proud of. And I've made a lot of changes to the farm too, improvements over the years. And so it's really, it's like, it's awesome. And it's so fun to, to kind of look back and see what really this farm and this property has provided for me and the girls and our family. So it's it's a big accomplishment and it's a big, like happy part of my life. Yeah, it's obvious. Well, and everyone can tell that too. So one story that I had to bring up was a mutual friend of mine told me, uh, ask Amory about how you delivered eggs. Okay. <laughs> You didn't know, did you hear this story? No, Justin? I don't oh, know. Yeah. So when I first, so interestingly enough, this is one of the things that happened, like for me thinking outside of the box, like, okay, so now I'm here, I'm living in North Carolina. I have this 21 acre farm and I'm newly divorced. And how am I going to support myself and this farm, you know? So I have the chickens and I say to myself, well, Okay, so now I want to sell these chicken eggs that I have because in, in, instead of just giving them to friends and family, let me see if I can ha make, you know, have a little bit of income from the chickens. And so I had a, a golf cart and this neighborhood, there was a new neighborhood. I said, well, let me go in here and see if I could solicit. <laughs> Sorry. Got the farm. <laughs> yeah. Solicit, um, you know, selling my eggs to any of those. So we, I went door to door to the homes to say, listen, I, I live over here in this farm. My farm is Strouds Creek Farm. And would you be interested in weekly egg delivery? And so I had all these people that signed up and I would take the golf cart with my girls and they loved it back then. They would be mortified now, but they <laughs> back then we would go and I went every Saturday morning and we would deliver the eggs on the golf cart to all of the, the homes in Churton Grove that wanted eggs. Uh, that got your name out there, didn't it? Like yeah. for other services. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it's just, it's, so it's interesting how it had this way of developing into other things because a lot of those people that I sold eggs to were my initial, when I started, were the people that initially asked me for a summer camp program. Like, would you do this? Would be an awesome place for, and so yes, it is. I have a pretty close connection to a lot of the people in the community that have supported me through the years with birthday parties for their children and summer camps and purchasing eggs and 
So yeah, so it's been, but that's how we did it. That was one of the first, like I said, the chickens were the first, even before I had my own horse, I had chickens to the farm because I wanted so desperately, like, I'm like, I have this farm and I have this big barn. I'm like, I have to have, like, let's get some farm animal. And so that was what we did initially. And so, and that's how I sold the eggs going through the neighborhood and the, um, on the golf cart delivering eggs. Oh, I love that story. Uh, well, I know you have some appointments and other farm tours going on this afternoon. The question I always like to ask my guests, because you have a lifetime of providing for others and the girls and your clients here on the farm, in this season of life, how are you providing for yourself? Yeah, so, well, one of the most recent things that I've done for myself, and it's interesting that you say this because I've, I have to be really intentional because the farm can sometimes be all-encompassing. It's a work Every, seven days a week, 365 days a year, right? And sometimes you can put yourself on the back burner in, in life. And so both most recently, I have started a meditation practice mm -hmm. that I've been doing um, to just have a little bit of quiet time for myself. And I'm, I'm on like a, I, I, jo I joined a challenge. It's a 108 day challenge. Light Watkins is the person who's actually, um, who, who's someone who I follow and really like, and it's his program. It's a 108 day challenge to see if you can, you meditate for 108 days and there's accountability and so yeah. forth. So I'm like in my, I think today was my 33rd day or something. Yeah. So I'm pretty yes. proud of that because a lot of the times I start things and I'm just like, oh gosh, I don't have time today or I can't fit it in, but I've been really intentional about that. I'm starting to think business wise too, like because I work so much and so hard, like I'm going to have to look at what it is that I'm doing on the farm and some things that I might have to start to say no to because I just other things, other parts of my business have built up to the point where I can't do everything. And so I have to start to look at what it is that I might have to not do anymore moving forward or within the next couple of years that I might have to phase out. But, and then the other thing, I know it's, it might sound really small, but as a woman, I used to be super neglectful of taking care of my, like putting on um, sunscreen and moisturizing and, you know, just getting in the shower to doing a quick shower at the end of the day and then, you know, kind of falling into the bed. And so I've committed to a really good um, skincare routine, like moisturizing my skin and taking, and I know it sounds, and I drink a, um, a cup of, uh, a cup of herbal tea every night. And so that kind of just gives me like this a peaceful way to end my day and then be able to sleep a little bit more restfully. Yeah. Well, those are all health coach approved activities there. <laughs> Thanks, <Justin. laughs> uh, well, hey, I was so looking forward to this conversation because, uh, you know, like I said in the beginning, you've provided for me and our family very practical ways of just having this beautiful farm, but more importantly, just having that beautiful spirit of opening up your home and your heart to my girls. And it's just a special place here. So I was like, you know, I want to sit down with you and have an intentional conversation because this doesn't just randomly happen, right? Like there yeah. might be events in our lives that we can't control that we take advantage of. And you were intentional with saying like, I'm going to start this thing. And so just props to you. I just want to honor your story and say, thanks for sharing a little bit of it. And well, how can people find out more about you or the farm? You want to leave them the website or anything else? Thank you, Justin. Thanks for interviewing me. I appreciate it. And we're on Instagram and Facebook. 
I try and do it on a regular basis with the photos that we take around here for the different events that we have and stuff. And so I do that on Instagram and on Facebook. And then, like I said, on my website, um, stroudscreekfarm.com, you can find, you know, if, there, if anyone was interested in any of the things I do here, I ha- everything is there on the website. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect.